Blog Talk Radio. Monday. Uh, good news. The uh, sound gods appear to be with us. People in the chat room are telling me that they can hear. Last week we had a lot of issues. People couldn't uh, hear, which is too bad. If you ended up um, missing last week's show, especially the second half, uh, we had Jeffrey Todd, who played Tobias, the adorable lab geek on the show last week. Um, from the Young and the Restless, and he was really he was really a fun interview, which I knew he would be because if you follow him on Twitter, which you can, uh, his his handle is at Jeffrey Todd T O D. Uh, he's very funny. He's very personable. Um, he's just he's kind of a, a really fun person. So I suspected it would be a good time. But he also gave us a lot of, you know, kind of like backstage in, info and insight into um, how he prepared for some of the stuff, uh, especially his big drunk episode, which uh, was, uh, had, had really, had that particular episode got really good ratings. So he was excited to hear that. Uh, it was his, his swan song. He did the big, uh, got up on a bar and got drunk and, and uh, roasted the citizens of Genoa City and then sadly was killed. But uh, so if you if you ended up not being able to hear last week's show, you can find it in the archive. You can find any of our shows in the archive, and um, it was a really fun chat. So go back and listen to it. Uh, we also had lots of fun soapy talk before that, and of course there will be more soapy talk tonight. Uh, as I always say, it's sort of the ask me anything hour. I'm honestly surprised that I don't get more calls from haters. Like you know, I have now. I know this will come as a shock to some of you. Brace yourself. Jason, be prepared. I know you're going to find this hard to believe. But I have haters. I have mega haters. Um, you know, I have people who, like, create parody accounts and, and just really hate on me. And I'm always surprised that they don't call because basically every single week I, – I not every single week. Okay, we all know I don't do it every week. But most weeks I do this show, and it's sort of a – um, you know, I'm throwing open the phone lines. I don't know who's on the other end. It's a perfect opportunity for anybody who really, like, you know, has a hate on for me to call in and uh, uh, let their hatred be known. Uh, so I'm, I'm always surprised that that doesn't happen, but we will be taking calls momentarily. The number here... <clears throat> and the number here, whether you're a hater, a lover, or someone in the middle, is 347-989-0685. Again, it's Three four seven nine eight nine zero six eight five. If you are if you are interested in calling, it's a, probably a good idea not to wait until too late in the show to dial in and press the little button because, um, unlike the old days where I used to just keep going until I had talked to everybody, I try and keep the show to around an hour now for all of our sakes. Otherwise, we could be here all night long, and you know I got dinner to make and and a bachelorette to watch, 
to hate watch, if you will. So if you're interested in calling, um, it's 347-989-0685, and we'll get to those calls in just a minute. I like to always start off with sort of a topic that I happen to be interested in this particular week, and this week it is rewriting of history. And what really kind of sparked this for me was there were scenes today on The Young and the Restless between Joe and Avery, Scott Elrod, and Jessica Collins. And Jessica Collins is soon going to be leaving The Young and the Restless. Uh, and it's it's sort of speculated that Scott Elrod will be sort of leaving soon after because really his main connection is to her. Uh, during the early days of his run, there was sort of a play on the fact that you know, he had history with Kane. He, he he and Kane knew each other from the past, and he sort of flirted with Lily. But it's starting to look as if he will probably very likely exit afterwards. But they had some really intense scenes today, very dramatic, very intense. Um, to be honest, the first half of the episode, I didn't really feel like, uh, I don't know, it, it, it almost felt like the first half and the second half of the episode were written by two completely different people. And the back half of the episode had a lot of good stuff in it. It had some really good Michael Lawrence stuff, uh, some Kane Lilly stuff. But what really riveted my attention was the stuff between Avery and Joe. And Jessica Collins just kind of gave this all-out balls-to-the-wall performance. Can a woman give a balls-to-the-wall performance? I'm going to say she can. Uh, And she did. Uh, But at one point, in the middle of the scene, they sort of cut to this audio flashback, if you will, in which it it, it was basically finding out or, or playing on the fact that Joe had abused her in the past. And this goes completely against everything we know about Joe and Avery and their history. I mean, she was the one who hurt him. She left him. Uh, and, and you know, Joe, uh, abused women has been his cause. You know, he founded this whole foundation and stuff. So it, it, it just felt like a big rewrite of their history. And more importantly, it was completely unnecessary. The scenes were really working. I thought they were on fire um, you know, now it, it was reported a while back, uh, um, Daytime Confidential, Jamie, Com- Jamie Giddens had reported that, you know, that the original plan here was, uh, I believe it was Joe was going to rape Avery, that kind of thing. Or, or no, no, I believe the original was that Avery was going to accuse Joe of rape. Now, I am not a big advocate, to be honest, of judging storylines before they air, because a lot can happen. Um, between you know when a storyline is created and when it airs, including when it's filmed, sometimes things can change there. Um, but there's been a lot of of strom and drang in the uh, soap universe about this particular story and where it's going. And and you guys know me, I'm kind of an advocate of let's play it out and then discuss it. Today, I thought it was was really good stuff, but. Rewriting a character's history can lead to a lot of different situations. Sometimes it can give you positive things. Sometimes it can give you negative things. It's never really welcomed by longtime soap fans because, um, you know, the whole point of a soap opera is, or at least part of the point of a soap opera, is that it's, it's sort of like life. We are watching the lives of these people. They live for one hour every day, and we are there for it. And if you start reinventing their history then it becomes um, less believable, less relatable. Uh, there's, 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 there's problems with that. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there have been massive um, rewrites, like when they unaborted Erica's fetus on All My Children. 
Other times it's it's a little less of a rewrite. Like sort of they'll 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 say that something happened in the past that may not quite jive with what we thought what we knew or thought we knew of the character. For example, when General Hospital revealed that Luke and Holly had a son named Ethan, and at first it was sort of like, wow, that's kind of a you know cool little twist that this couple who we knew were together many years ago that they had a child. But then when you did the math and stuff, it really didn't work out. It sort of put a taint on the Luke and Laura um, love story that was uh, supposedly unfolding at the time that Ethan would have been born. But, you know, you get a lot of different results when you do things like this. I was really, uh, like I said, I thought there was a lot of good material today on YNR. I thought that the Joe Avery scenes were really strong. I thought both actors really brought it. I didn't think there was any need to, you know, insert this this audio flashback that basically rewrote the history that we already know of them. Now, maybe maybe what's about to come is going to shed some more light on that, but as of right now, I just it just I didn't think it was necessary. Uh so if you happen to have an opinion on rewrites or you can think of an example where it was particularly good or particularly bad, you know, feel free to call in and give us a chat about that. Uh or we can talk about absolutely anything. Like I said, seven to eight is you guys's you guys's y'all's y'all's hour. So uh I'm gonna start taking calls now. Again, the the number here is three four seven nine eight nine zero six eight five. Our first caller here is 502. 502, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Good evening there, Richard. It's Sue Ellen. Hey, Sue Ellen. How are you? Good, good. I finally actually got the information in time and called in. (laughs) (laughs) Usually I'm so far behind in my tweets. (laughs) I understand. I understand. Uh, That's why I try and do it the same time every week, just to give people some sense of you know, um, normalcy, I guess, you know. Uh, yeah. It's a lot easier to keep up with something when you know it's going to be the same time every week than it is when, you know, every now and then there'll be a week when for some reason I can't do it on Monday night and so I'll switch it to a different day. And those are always challenges because people aren't used to it, so there may not be callers, let alone listeners, or should I say listeners, <laughs> let alone callers. Anyway, what do you got for me tonight? Well, we were talking about timelines there. Um, I I like some of – there have been some cool things – Actually, the, when you brought up the Ethan thing, that it totally confused me at first because I'm like, wait a second, Holly miscarried that baby she was carrying, Luke's baby. And I, I had to have someone explain it to me how it, how it all worked out. Because <laughs> well, that was that's like often a, the, that's often the problem is that things that we are told during a during a rewrite of a particular story don't jive with what we saw on screen. Right, because um, I knew you know, Holly had been pregnant by Luke um, when he went off and was in the avalanche. Mm-hmm. So I was figuring that was when she got pregnant with Ethan. And it's like, wait a second, but well, we saw her have the miscarriage. And But I will say, sometimes it works out... Like Franco turning out to be Heather and Scotty's, because I remember the Heather and Scotty affair. And it actually made sense with the way she left the show at the time. She was very secretive, very defensive, wouldn't let Scotty take her to the airport, got her, got her, her support from Jimmy Lee Holt. Actually, I thought that would have been an excellent story if uh, Franco was her child by Jimmy Lee and actually was a quarter main. Well, that would have been, but the story, I think it, I think the way they were telling that at the time, 
it's yeah, I guess they I guess they could have except I, I think they really wanted to make sure they were tying everything to people that were sort of currently on the canvas. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's, I think, one of the reasons they went that way. I was ambivalent, I guess, about that reveal. I mean, on the one hand, it was a fun reveal. It played into characters that we knew. You know, we, we knew that Scotty and, and Heather had a history. On the other, I mean, I just, I was, Franco has been a struggle for me for a long, long time. I yeah. love the actors. I have, I have loved the actors, but, but the character itself has, has never really felt appropriate for the canvas, given how the character... I mean, this is one of those great cases where when you talk about the the rewriting of a character, that, you know, you can't just expect an audience to forget things that they have seen and learned. You know, you can't expect the audience to look at a character who you who we know was a serial killer, who we saw crush a man's head, and say, you know, forget that. Now he's like this goofy, charming, lovable guy. You know, some viewers will be able to go along with it. Some viewers won't. I can some days, and I can't some days. It just depends on it depends on 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 what's unfolding on my screen. Yeah, I like the fact that people keep bringing up his past and keep reminding him that he was the guy who strapped Lulu to the bomb and uh, that sort of thing. You know, I think it's yeah, good it's, because. It's sort of a- it's sort of a catch-22. On the one hand, and, and, and it's another one of those situations where soap writers, you know, sometimes can't win. And it's it's often because of their own, you know, if if they had not decided to make Franco a a regular character on the canvas and one of their anti-heroes, they wouldn't have this problem. But the problem that they have is, on the one hand, you can't win with the people who are like, he is a killer, I will never forget that, I will always hate the character. And then on the other hand, whenever you remind people, hey, you know, we haven't forgotten that he's a killer, we're going to bring it up, we're going to remind people that we strapped him to a bomb and strapped, and you know, that he strapped Lulu to a bomb and that he did this, that, and the other thing. You lose because people are like, yeah, why is this, why is this guy, you know, a romantic lead on my show? So it's it's a really tough situation once you, you know, once you commit. I mean, I, I give General Hospital full props because once they committed to the character of Franco and they they didn't uh, they didn't forget his past. They they continually, you're right, they continually sort of throw in lines and they have character, you know, like 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 the other day with Nathan and Maxie where Maxie was talking about, you know. The, excuse me, the various bad things that uh, Franco had done in the past. So, you know, they, they don't forget that, but at the same time, it's sort of a constant reminder of, of that there is sort of evil incarnate on the canvas. <laughs> yeah, you got a feel for Nathan. He keeps finding out Maxie slept with this one, Maxie lied with that one. Can't wait till Lucky comes to town. You know, I wouldn't count on, like, there being a whole lot of... I, I First of all, I don't know that Lucky will actually come to town. We do know that Jonathan Jackson is coming on the show, and we do know that he's going to be playing Lucky, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean that he will be in Port Charles. You know, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that while we're going to spend some time getting to Lucky, I don't think that we're going to, you know, it's not like Jonathan Jackson is going to spend 10 weeks filming. So it's probably going to be a very, you know, limited um, appearance, you know, maybe a couple of days, maybe a week. So I don't think he'll be coming to town and like reminiscing with Maxie about uh, or or about days gone by. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about that. Though. I mean, poor Nathan, he keeps finding out about just how adventuresome our Maxie was. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But again, but, that's that's nice because it would be it would feel weird if you had these scenes 
with Franco Maxi and Nathan in a room, and they didn't acknowledge the past. That's a nice use of, you know, I, I thought yeah. they got some good mileage in those scenes out of acknowledging the past that Maxi and Franco share. Right, and one last thing, and I'll let you go to other callers. Denise, I, this is a brilliant way to bring Ava back and let her be on canvas. Again, I'm torn by this. Um, I, I can't say that it's brilliant because it it basically relied on um, relies on you know sort of a uh, a fake out that pretty much everybody knew. I mean, when they killed Ava, and then and or supposedly killed Ava. And then we didn't address it for like two months. You know, it it seemed kind of obvious that that she wasn't because you're not playing the beats of it. You're not playing any of the beats that go along with, you know, a character demising uh, a character's demise. Even though at the time Silas was the only one who supposedly knew she was alive. Um, and and I'm and you know the, I do like that they got a lot of comedy out of it as far as everybody rolling their eyes and nobody really believing it. And I, and I'm also very glad that they didn't drag it out too long. I also like that it was, um, you know, it is something that really does happen. It's called, uh, chimerism and it is the result of a bone marrow transplant. It can, can alter your DNA. Yeah. I had never heard of that. I thought that was an interesting idea. Yeah, It is a real thing. It actually, it actually happened to one of the writers. Um, one of the writers on GH had a relative to whom it, it, happened and they sort wow. of you know said hey we can use this and that's sort of one of the one of the ways it came about but again you've created sort of a a double-edged sort of a situation because um the whole reason Ava has to put on this persona is because if she is found out she you know does not pass go goes directly to jail and you you're so you've sort of put yourself in a box where there's I don't know how you bring the real Ava back and you don't want to be stuck with Denise forever because Denise, you know, doesn't have the ties to the community that Ava does. Uh, And you can't, you have to sort of be careful. You can't just give Ava another get out of jail free card because we just did that with Sunny with the whole bomb thing. So it'll be interesting to me to see how exactly, you know, um, uh, um, Ron Corlevati very much likes to put Ava in situations that are, seemingly impossible to get out of, and then writing her out of those situations. So I'll be interested to see exactly how he is going to handle doing that with this. Yeah, I know at first I didn't really, I thought it was a whole different other person that we were going down the doppelganger road, and I'm like, oh, not again. <laughs> but then I well, kind of thought again, you know, this, she was this interesting. Happens with, this happens with with almost every single story um, on almost every single show. No matter what direction you go, and this is why I always say head writers have the hardest job in the world, some people are going to be annoyed and or say, oh, I saw that coming. If it's a doppelganger, oh, really, another doppelganger? If it turns out it's Ava, oh, I knew it was Ava all along. Like, some fans are, you know what, we're bitches. We really are. We're bitches. I'm just going to say Yes, I have noticed we are. And we (laughs) we all have different things that we're bitches about, but... But in the end, we are just a hard-to-please lot. <laughs> yep, I'm looking for. I didn't get to catch today's show. Um, had TV issues, but I'm so I'm going to catch it on the app tonight. And I am looking forward to seeing Laura and Tracy face off at that engagement party. Um, yeah, that, there was a lot of fun stuff with Laura and Tracy, and there's actually something coming up that I can't really talk about yet, but um, I, I was interviewing Ron Carlovati this morning for our next cover story for uh, a little bit down the road, 
And there's something coming up in this Laura Luke storyline that I did not think of at first, but he basically was pointing out it was something that that uh how do I say this without giving it away? That 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 fans may not even realize that they have been waiting a long time to happen. And when it happens, it'll be like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about that. So, you know, more on that when it gets a little bit closer. But um, I'm I'm kind of interested to see how the travails of how this whole Luke and Laura story plays out, especially knowing some of the other people that are going to be roped into it, both both people like Jonathan Jackson and, 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 and other uh, characters, Holly, and there's actually a few characters who we we know about, but we're not they're not they're not revealing who are going to play into this, and how people on the actual canvas are impacted by it because it will have a pretty big impact on on some of the locals that we know and love. Oh, good! I am looking forward to that. I'm definitely going to enjoy um, uh, this particular story. Okay, I am too. <laughs> okay, I will let you move on to the next. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you soon, Sue Ellen. All right, and we're moving on down the list here again. If you want to give us a call, uh, the number is 347-989-0688. Our next call on the list here is 325. We've got a lot of background noise. Hello? 325, you're on the up. 325 hung up. Okay. Uh, 717. 717, you're on the air. Hi, Richard. It's Daniela. I'm finally getting to in. Hi, Daniela. How are you? I've got, we've got a really kind of crappy connection here, I think. I'm in Pennsylvania. We have a tornado watch, a tornado warning, and severe thunderstorms, of well, course. Well, don't get taken away by a tornado, for heaven's sake. That's not... Uh, that's not going to be. Uh, I mean, sure, it would be exciting, and my my you know, I could, my ratings would probably go up. But I really would prefer that my my callers not be taken away by tornadoes. <laughs> I just want to thank you again for everything you do for all of us. You make our day. You make my day. Days are hectic around here with babies and things, and I'll get in there like at 1, 2 in the morning and I'll scroll down and I'll read everything and I get a kick out of it. It just sort of melts everything away. You know what? I can't tell you how how happy that makes me. I mean, I I absolutely love, um, I love the sense of community that that we get with Twitter. I love um, tweeting the shows. I try and do it every day. It doesn't always happen, but I love doing it. And um, it's, it's sort of, I don't know. It, it, you know, it was never meant to become what it has become. It was never meant to be, you know, I was going to do this every day and and all this craziness. But, but I absolutely love doing it. And, you know, just knowing that there are people out there who are getting a kick out of it makes it worthwhile. I've always tried to make it – my goal has always been to make the Twitter interactions personal, fun, and, um, you know, we, we, we try and uh, we try and mix the the – the, the serious and the fun. We don't want to, you know, it's 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 a little bit of everything. And I'm really glad that you enjoy it because that's, you know, if it wasn't fun for you guys, it wouldn't be fun for me. Oh, it's great fun, and I appreciate it. I really do. And when you and Charlie are watching TV together 
or going on your travels or doing your movies or <laughs> just that little bit that you throw at us. And, of course, I watch your movies and I've read your books numerous oh, times. Let me tell you, <laughs> wow. I still love your first one. Your first one, I don't even know how many times I've read it because it's, it's the everyday person. I mean, you read that stuff and you're thinking as you're reading it, oh, my gosh, yes, yes. People I, I, are so you. friggin' rude. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. Uh, never have I written anything. So the magazine, I used to work for a newspaper, um, book-wise, never have I written anything that nearly every person who has read Crimes Against Civility, which was my first book, came out three or four years yep. ago, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Almost every single person finds something in there where they say, oh, my God, you just climbed right inside my head. <laughs> you know, like, like, yep. like, because, and that's the thing is, you know, the, the book, for those of you who don't know, it's called Crimes Against Civility. It was the first thing I wrote. Um, it took a couple of years. Charlie really pushed me to write it. Uh, and I self-published it. And uh, it's on Amazon through Twitter. You can get it for Kindle or paperback. Although, get Kindle, it's much cheaper. Um, but but It's a must-read. You have to read it. Everyone needs you. to read this, especially the if, whole, I mean, this the whole so funny. Point of it for and, me, the yep. whole point of it started out when um, there was, a, you know, there was the, 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 the liaison J-SAM um, war was going on, and people were getting so nasty and so worked up about it. And, and so I was originally going to write an essay just about, you know, that. And then it started getting bigger, and then, you know, somebody parked in my parking spot, so I started writing about that. And then friends of mine got into this debate about, you know, smoking versus non-smoking and the rights of smokers and the rights of non-smokers. And it eventually morphed into this whole, bo- this whole book about um, rudeness in society and how things that bother you don't necessarily bother me. Everybody is bothered by different things. But we're all bothered by something. And if we can just sort of, like, look at what bothers us and the context in which it bothers us, you know, we might be able to sort of understand the other side a little bit better. And I tried to have as much fun with it as possible. But every, like I said, you you have joined the army of people who have said to me, oh, my God, this or that in the book is exactly how I feel. And that just, that that kind of gives me a little, that gives me a little bit of pleasure. <laughs> Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, I've read it so many times. When you know, in the middle of the night, I can't sleep after the day, you know. And I'll pick it's on my Kindle, you know. I'll pick it up and I'll go through it again, and I'll laugh and I'll sit there thinking, "Thank goodness there's someone else out there that feels <laughs> the way I do towards humanity." Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's like when you're having one of those moments where you're like, "Oh my God, I hate people. I hate people." You can, you know, you kind of like flip through a sec to a section, and you read it, and you're like, okay, I'm not the only one, <laughs> you know, like everybody yep. bothers everybody else still. Thank yeah. you, Danielle. Take a four-year-old really, really to a store. That. You know, I sit and I think about that. I take a four-year-old to the store, and I think of what people act like, what the four-year-old's acting like, what everyone is, and I think to myself, why do I do it? You know, these the people out there are just so unbelievable, and you capture that. You really do. People need to read wow. it. They, have a, they would have a great you. time. Anyhow, Thank you. As I want to let someone else talk, too, but I want to talk about the Ava thing. I love Ava, and as you said, with the new Demacio, Demetrio, Demacio, I, I can't get into her. It's just really not working for me. 
And when she saw the baby today, I just sat there, you know, and I bawled my head off. I was like, oh, she's going to blow it. She's going to blow it. And then they showed the preview for tomorrow when she's, um, she, uh, what happened to my brain here? They're kissing. Well, where, she, so she, where, went, she's made, where she says to Morgan, you know, and she almost yes, put herself Morgan. away to him. Yes. It, yes. It's funny because to away. me. You know, I, I said to, I, I, when I was talking to Carl Avati about this story a couple of weeks ago when, it, when he was, you know, giving me a preview for the issue, I said that to me, Ava is sort of almost, it's, it's like looking at the Jason Jake story, except yeah. one major difference. Jake doesn't know who he is. Other people around him do. With Ava, she knows who she is, and nobody else around her except for Silas does. So it's sort of like a mirrored story. But I agree with you. I think they really, really needed the scenes today with her and the baby because, you know, it's very easy for a character like uh, Denise to very quickly go over the top. She was introduced as sort of this like loud, you know, gum-chewing, hairstylist, and it's really easy for that to go over the top. So they needed scenes like the stuff with with Avery today in order to give us an emotional connection and to say, right. like, no, yeah. remember, underneath yeah. that wig, underneath all that, Ava is still there, and she's just desperate to be with her children, and that's one of the reasons she's doing this. And I love her. I'm so glad she's back. And I can't forgive Franco, but I can forgive Ava. I don't know why that is. I do love the character of Ava, and I do love, you know, watching her, but the character of Franco, I just wish they would have brought Roger in as someone else because he is hilarious. I love him on screen, but I cannot deal with him being Franco. I just, I can't do it. And the new Lulu, I do love her to death, but I wish, I don't know what happened with the original Lulu. You know, I don't know why she decided to leave, if she wanted to do movies or what have you. I just really need her back as Lulu and then give the other one another part <laughs> somewhere else. Well, every time I, can, I see her on screen, I can't look at her as Lulu. And just like Well, I'll Kiki. tell you this. There's there's very little chance, I would say. Given Jolie given what back. has happened over the last few years, there's very little chance that they are going to take an actor and say, you know, oh, you used to play this part, now we're going to have you play this part. Because, you know, it just, right. it just really has not worked out particularly well for them. Um, to this day, right. people still, you know, complain about, you know, oh, why, isn't, why is he not playing, you know, Todd? Why, right. is, it, why is she not playing Star? Why, you know, whatever. So, right. so I kind of think that they were I burned know. by that, and I'd be surprised to see them do it again. I, know. I love Julie, though. I get, I, she's my Lulu. Now, I'm 51. I'm about your age. I've had GH on in a crib. My mother watched it from day one. As I was a teen, summer vacation, I watched it. I got my grandmother hooked on it. We used to sit and watch it every day. I grew up with Young and the Restless, Bold and the Beautiful. I mean, One Life to Live, all that was on the television growing up. So, you know, I had to, you know, when I started raising children and working, you know, I had to cut it all out and, I went back to General Hospital when I left work, you know, about seven years ago. And then the issue with, you know, Jason and everything, that's what brought me back. I turned the TV on one day, and there he was. And I'm thinking, wow, did he grow up? Look at him. And I started watching it, and, 
you know, Kelly was on then, and I didn't know who she was, and I had missed, you know, quite a chunk, you know, so I was starting to watch it every day and really get in there. And then I was in that GH chat rooms and the message boards and catching up, and they were talking about Twitter. They were talking about you. So I thought, okay, Uh-oh. I'm going to try the Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to try the Twitter. So I got on there, <clears throat> excuse me, and I saw you, and I followed you, and then all your different, uh, you know, screen names and things. And you, when they went through the thing with Jason and Sam, I was devastated. And you said to me, it'll be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> because I guess you got a sense, you know, that I was falling into this really dark place with that. But it was like, mm-hmm. once I got hooked again, I was hooked. And it was like, oh, my God, they're not going to be together, you know. And it, you know, I still miss him, but I do love the replacement there. I just couldn't imagine someone else coming in as Jason because this guy is great. He's He's got a little bit of sense of humor there, which Jason really didn't have. And he just has this kind way about him, but yet he's still strong and tough there, you know. He, he, he works well, I think. You know, I'd love for him to meet his child and find out it is his child, whether he be with Sam, you know, Kelly, or not. I'd still like him to know his child, you know. I guess we're just going to have to wait because now Luke has a screen, you know, before he leaves. You know, we brought Laura back, and like I said, that was a big issue with me back growing up. I was there for Luke and Laura. Yes, I took off school to see Luke and Laura's wedding. Yes, I took off school for that whole week, I think. You know, Grandma and I were glued, you know, for that week. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when I tuned back in and, oh, my God, he's dating Tracy. He's married to Tracy. What the hell's that? You know, Tracy. <laughs> you know, it took me, you know, by surprise. It really did because, you know, all those years had lapsed where I was, so busy working, I didn't know any of this, you know, and it, and now they work. I really enjoy them together. Now Laura's back, and I'm thinking, oh, look at Laura, look at Laura, and I know in my head it's going to last maybe a month or so. You're going to go on some great adventure. We're going to get all this stuff dug back up, and new things are going to come about, and we'll probably get to see Robert, hopefully, you know, and Anna's going to get drawn in. And Lord help me, I need Duke back. I'm sorry, because he's one of my old Well, things, okay, let me, give you, let me give you some info here. Okay, so I wouldn't count on having Duke back. That's just, you know, I that's know. probably not going to happen. Anna will be back, but I doubt, that the, I, I think that the reason that we got those really, really nice scenes between um, Finola Hughes and Tony Geary is that she will not be back before his story wraps up. They have um, 10 weeks or less right now. Um, it's probably about mm-hmm. nine weeks left of Tony Geary as Luke. Uh, and Finola is not going to be back until probably the fall because she's actually going to Scotland, and she's actually working with Ian Buchanan, who played Duke. She's actually working right. with him. Um, she's directing a movie, and he's ha- he has a part in it. It's called The Bird and the Beast. Um, but it seems very, very unlikely that she will be back in time to share any more screen time with him. So that's unlikely. And I, right now we're a little up in the air as to whether or not we're going to see, um, whether or not we're going to see Robert. In order for, in order for us to see Robert, the folks over at Y&R would basically have to agree to it. They would have to say, yes, he can come over and do, you know, um, um, Tristan Rogers can come over and do a couple of appearances. Uh, so I, 
it, it also depends on does GH want to do that. I mean, yes, I think they would like to have um, Robert because he played a big part in uh, Luke's story, but it just depends on you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of trickiness there because of course there's this there's this sort of rivalry between Y and R and GH. They're always stealing each other's people. So I don't know that Y and R would be particularly wanting to loan them. Tristan Rogers, although I don't know why not, because they're certainly not using him. I mean, when's the last time Jill or uh, uh, Colin appeared on screen? It's been ages. Are we going to see Sean? Is this going to be part of the secret, do you think? You know, I I can't really talk about that because I know some of the people that are coming up to fit, and I can't I can't yeah. really um, say. There are, you don't want to there piss people... Mr. Carlovati off. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. I need him. I need him. I need. I need yeah, Ron. I, I need. He's my friend, and I need him to to keep yes, uh, doing my weekly my weekly chats with him so that I can get cover stories out of him. Right. <laughs> I try to I try to puff his ego every now and then. If you notice, I'm one of those. You know, when I see he's having a bad day or he's getting, you know, people are getting under his skin, I like to give him, you know, because I love him. I think they're doing a great job because, from what I understand, the years that I was missing. You know, it was really going down the toilet. You know, the show was really not doing well, and, you know, it was a hit or miss whether they were going to return or even keep the show or, you know, and they brought it back. They brought it back to life, and I really appreciate them. And I do, I mean, I congratulate them. When there's a good show, I'm the first one there. I don't usually say negative things to them because I know I'm going to say something negative, and tomorrow's going to be a great show. They're going to pull it off. Why Why waste that energy? You know, why be mean? Why, you know, get an attitude? It's going to get better. I, it always does. You have to go through the, you know, the stages and steps. There might be some times where it's a little, uh, today I really can't deal with it. Tomorrow might right, be a great exactly. show, you know. Exactly. That's, you know, that's, get, you know, that's, that's what forever, that's how, you know, I mean, I have sat through far, far, far worse stories than almost anything playing out on screen right now. I mean, I've sat through, you know, the the, the, the dream curse on Dark Shadows. I've sat, sat through zombies on Guiding Light. So, you know, throw it at me. I'm a forever fan. I, I will do my best to stick with you as long as I possibly can. Um, listen, I, I, I have to go. I have to take another call here. Um, I want to thank you. You you are always so kind to me uh, on Twitter and in the real real world, well, this real world. Um, and I have a feeling I will talk to you again very, very soon. That is my very good friend, Daniela, who is just a sweetheart. And I'm really glad she called in. That was very nice. Um, and thanks for plugging my book. For those of you who didn't know, it's Crimes Against Civility. And my other book is Homesick. And my next book is going to be all of, all I can say about it right now, because I'm in the final writing stages, is that it is a love letter to soap opera fans. And I think that you guys are going to die reading it. It's very funny and very fun and very, um, I will say it takes place at a soap opera, and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, 440, you are on the air. Hey, this is John from Ohio. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I am very, very, very well. What's up this evening? Um, I wanted to talk about General Hospital here for a second. Um, I wanted to say, like, oh, over the years, they, it seems like they always bring in a character that you absolutely hate, and then they become your favorite. And Lucy and Carly are really good examples of that. I hated Lucy in the beginning, and I hated Carly. Now they're two of my favorites. I'd like to see them do that with Obrecht. Um, I know she's well, like she's like beyond she's, redemption. 
Pardon? I feel like they think they have. I feel like they think, you know, I feel like they brought her in and they, you know, she was very, very evil and blah, blah, blah. And now she's sort of, you know, a lot of fans absolutely love her. You know, um, they, they, they play her. They, they still can play her as being the bad woman if they want, but they tend to these days more often play her as sort of comically bad as opposed to right. actually holding people hostage and threatening to kill them bad. Um, right. I'm, I'm a little torn on that kind of thing because, um, you know, GH is a canvas that's, that's very heavy with dark characters and, and you know some of them are lighter than others. Like Obrecht now is is sort of a light dark character in that she's very you know they give her a lot of humorous stuff. But I feel like there are so many dark characters on the canvas that we don't have many heroes left. And and right. that that you know I'm a big believer that you need two things: you need haves and have-nots, and you need heroes and villains. That's classic soaps. And and when you blur the lines and make everyone you know sort of an anti-hero or anti-heroine, it, it's, it's confusing to me, <laughs> you know, like, like I don't know how yeah. I'm supposed to feel about you. And uh, so I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little torn on that. Although I will say, I mean, I love Kathleen Gotti and I think she can play just about anything you throw at her. And I think that's why I like Obrecht so much. I think she's an amazing actress. She's funny. She's bad. She's a good singer. I just really, what I'd like to see is now that Anna's left town for a while, I'd like to see maybe Ulbricht and Sloan kind of get into something. And then when Anna comes back, maybe like a love triangle. But, you know, I don't know if they would do that. But that would be interesting, I think. It'd be interesting. You know, it's funny. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I had two reactions simultaneously to it. On the one hand, I was like, oh, I really <laughs> like that. And then on the other hand, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, it was... It was it was it was a joint reaction. So, yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times, you know, I generally know, depending on the show, anywhere from a month to three months in advance what's coming down the pike. And and there are so many times when, and and this okay, this is a lesson for all of us. This is why I try not to judge stories in advance. I can't tell you how many times I'll be. I'll, I'll get my breakdowns or I'll be talking to a head writer and they'll tell me a story and I'll be like, oh my God, that's going to be the worst thing ever. I mean, I don't say that to them. I say it in my head. And then it hits the airways and I'm like, oh my God, thank God I didn't say that was going to be the worst thing ever because it's awesome. I've also had the exact opposite happen. I have had storylines where I'm, I think this is going to be the best thing I've ever seen. This is going to rock my world. And then it unfolds. And I'm just massively disappointed in it, and I think it went wrong at every turn. Uh, so, right. so, so your idea for that triangle, on the one hand, you know, my first, one of my first reactions was, oh. but my other first reaction was, oh, yeah, I could see that. So, you know, never prejudge. <laughs> you never know, exactly. Now, and real quick, I have a question about Days of Our Lives. Like, I really haven't watched Days of Our Lives in years, and, like, I kind of turned it on the other day to see – you know, what what was going on. Okay. And is Cassie DePiva supposed to be Charles Shaughnessy and daughter? Is she Eve Donovan? Uh, yes, yes. Yes, she is Eve Donovan. She is Teresa's sister. Yes, she is Eve Donovan. She is, uh, yes, that is correct. She just seems a little old to me to be playing that part. 
Well, you know, the soap ages. Who can tell? <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading an interview with I was reading an interview with who was it? Um, it was something that's coming up in our magazine. I was editing it today, and it was an actress saying, you know, you try not to look at this. Stuff. Oh, I remember it was it was um, I was in, I was I was reading uh, editing an interview that we have coming up with Tracy Bregman from The Young and the Restless, and she's like, you know, soap math is really hard. She's like, on air. Christian LeBlanc and I, Michael and Michael and Lauren, we've been married ten years, and yet somehow we have a twenty-two-year-old son. <laughs> you know, she's like, we celebrated right. our ten-year anniversary on air, but we have a twenty-two-year-old son. So, you know, you have to, you just kind of have to sometimes squint and say, okay. <laughs> I'm well, and I love Cassie DePaiva. I loved, I loved Blair on One Life to Live. So it kind of made me want to watch it, but I was like, is that really? Eve, like that, I remember from you know years and years ago. So it is. So yeah, yeah. I you know I mean I I agree. I was I was a big Charlotte Ross fan. I was I was I loved the years of like Eve and Nick. Oh my God, I was so into them. The uh, Phantom of the Opera this, thing. I feel like this Eve they've had. I feel like they've had a little bit of trouble in figuring out exactly who and what she's supposed. They've gotten one thing they've done really well is they've done a good job with the Eve. Um, Jennifer rivalry. I think they've gotten that really, really right. But, um, but, but, but the characterization of Eve has sort of been a little bit all over the map for me. Okay. I just like I, I was, I was just confused because I used to be a huge Days fan, and then I, I stopped watching for a while and turned it back on, and it just, I don't really know who half the people are anymore. It seems like. A lot of a lot of younger people that I don't recognize. Like yeah, it depends on the day. It, yeah, it's it depends on the day too. You know, like like if it's a day where they're playing um, JJ and Paige and Rory and Bev and you know like those are all really relatively new characters. Um, and some of them are like sort of like C level characters. Uh, but they still also have you know Gay still has and uses really well many of its vets. I mean like I love that they still know how to write and use John Aniston's Victor. You know, he is still every bit as a, he is funny, he is mean, he is he is a great, great character, and they really write and use him well. And uh, same with same with uh, Suzanne Rogers' Maggie. So I, I like Days of Our Lives better than almost any other show right now, really uses all the generations in its cast. I thought when they decided to have Lucas and Adrian have an affair and then bring and then bring Justin back once Wally Kurth, you know, went from GH and came back to Days. I thought that was such an amazing idea of it for a triangle, given that these are three people that three characters that we've known for forever and who have for long parts of the last you know, five, ten years, sort of languished on the back burner while other characters, you know, their children and things had good story. I love this this triangle. I think it's I think it's it's it plays on the history of the show. It's three strong actors. Um, you know, Days. I know Days takes a lot of hits, but I feel like I feel like they went through a bad period, and I know there's a good period coming up when the new writers take over. Right now, I feel like they're not in a horrible place. I like a lot of the stuff going on on the canvas right now. There's some stuff that's kind of clunkery for me, but but I, I, I don't know. I I think there's a fair amount of good stuff going on. So I should tune back in and check it out, huh? Um, 
Yeah, especially since, you know, by the time we roll around to November and the uh, and the new writers kick in, you know, everything I am hearing from every actor on that set, oh, my God, we can't wait for you to see, you know, the stories that are going to take place. It's like, you know, classic days. And it'll be interesting to see how I react to that because personally, and again, this goes back to the fact that not all soaps are the same and not all soaps appeal to all audiences. Even though I watch all the soaps, and I have for, you know, more years than I care to admit, Dave I was always sort of on and off with. I wasn't really a big fan of the super the super couple of years and the, you know, the island adventures and all that. That stuff wasn't really for me. I've always liked my soap a little more grounded and, if possible, dark psychological stuff. I really like when soaps do dark psychological stuff. So when the yeah. actors are talking about classic days coming up, I don't know whether they mean, you know, just classic in the sense that it's good family psychological dark drama, which days did very, very well for many years, or if they mean classic days as in, you know, island adventures and, and Stefano putting brain chips in his head, which is also a form of classic days, but it's not really my kind of soap. Okay. Well, I'm going to check it out because um... – I used to be addicted, and then it, for a while it got kind of bad, and I kind of tuned out. But it's going to get good again. I I don't mind tuning in. Yeah, I you know I I think it's worth. I mean, there's only four soaps left. We might as well support as many of them as we can, huh? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is very true. All right. Well, thanks for calling, and I'm sure I'll talk to you again very soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Definitely. Thank you. All right, moving on down our hit list here. 347, 347, you're on the air. Hi, this is Tasha. Hey, Tosh, what's up? Not much. This is Sisley Short. I heard you talking about Days. I was a Days baby, but lately when I watch, um, it doesn't really hold my interest anymore. I don't know why. I think, a lot of, I think a lot of people feel that way. I feel like a lot of people think that the show sort of hit, I don't want to say a rut, but that there was just not... Like, I didn't particularly find May Sweeps very exciting for days. Um, the, the best thing that came out of it, and, you know, no one was more shocked than me, was the J.J. Eve page reveal, because I thought True O'Brien just really knocked it out of the park and did some good stuff. But I didn't really feel like they had a lot going on during during Sweeps, particularly. I thought Eileen Davidson's vision was sort of wasted. You know, she she didn't really have a lot to do. Yeah, so, so I'm kind of like that. I was just wanted to know, what did you think of today's Young and the Restless? I was talking about that at the top of the show. Um, I thought it was a very mixed bag. I liked I liked the last half. The first half just felt like there wasn't, I don't know, it didn't have, it, 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 the first half of the hour felt off somehow. But the second half of the hour, I thought the Joe Avery stuff was fantastic and very powerful. I loved the scene where Lauren, Tracy, Tracy Bregman, sort of sat back and said, oh, my God, you know, you did this. You withheld your affection. You withheld the touch. You withheld your love. I just thought, I thought that was just like powerhouse stuff there. I don't know. It's like, I should come. Like, when you, I hear you say that the actors are all excited, I'm thinking about Young and the Rest of and they heard Chuck, um, Chuck Pratt was coming, and then I'm thinking about, oh, and then when, he, when I'm seeing those scenes, and then, what he did to all my children, I'm like, oh, 
But, okay, I'm going to stop you there. That's not fair. You know, like, like I mean, all of us in the soap universe have done this. We've said, you know, ugh, Chuck Pratt. He did, you know, he, he did blah, blah, blah to all my children. But we don't know how much of that was him and how much was interference. There are things going on on YNR that I don't like. I didn't think they needed to rewrite um, Joe and Avery's history. There was no need to, like, insert this, you know, fact that he abused her. Um, but I also think... He's doing like this this Adam stuff. I think the Adam Chelsea that whole story I absolutely love. Um, I think that sometimes certain people um, come on board our shows and we judge them more harshly than maybe we should or maybe we would. Like like if if it was not Chuck Pratt, if the show was exactly the same as it is now, but it was being written by Tom Schmo, somebody we didn't know. I don't know that people would be having the horrible reaction to it that it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't, like, the Adam thing, I don't want him to make Sage some psycho crazy person. I'm like, oh, God, no. Can, can we stop that with the woman already? Why do they have to be psycho? All of a but again, you're again, you're talking about something that isn't happening. They're not, like, there's been no indication that they're making Sage a crazy person. When she had that slip out with Adam about the baby? Yeah, but that wasn't crazy. That was That was just, that was... That was, you know, just a reaction. I think, like I said, I think people sometimes look for trouble that's not there. You know, like, oh, here we're gonna we're gonna do this. It's it's, you know, I I think I I think that for me personally, I that this is why I don't judge shows before we see what they're doing. You know, like I haven't seen any indication of Sage being crazy. Um, I've seen her being angry. I've seen her being upset with Adam. Um, I see her feeling really afraid because she's torn between these two guys, but I don't see, I, I haven't seen anything, you know, indicating she's crazy. Okay, and um, my last thing is with, because um, I totally gave up on the bold and the beautiful, so I won't comment on it, because to me, you know, I wasn't satisfied with the whole reveal, so I let that go. I'm getting a little tired of the Jake storyline. Of the I, we have a really bad connection. You always you always seem to have a bad yeah. connection. I think it's calling from bus oh, no. stops and things. <laughs> like, yeah. I, we always have a bad connection. No, the Jake storyline. I'm getting a little tired of it. I, I think that they have to be careful. I think they're in danger of having this the audience do the same thing it did with the fluke story, where you know at first we were all into it and we were going along for the ride, and then it went on too long, and you know that's. Part of the problem with a canvas like the one GH has is there's so much on it that storylines get backburnered and basically disappear for a long time. Like, you know, that that it's not playing. Like, you know, we're we're so busy focusing on the other stories playing right now that there's no movement whatsoever in the Jake story, and fans are getting a little frustrated with that. And and I understand that. You know, it's 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 it's. The GH canvas sort of, the B&B canvas has this problem too, where it sort of becomes focused on certain stories to the detriment of others. Yeah, I'm like, I'm waiting, for, I'm ready for that to let everyone know he's Jason. I'm getting sick of Liz, and that's it. Yeah, like, I understand that. You know, I feel like I feel like you're right. There's there's sort of a. There's a, it's that thing where you feel like a storyline is treading water. You know, they're coming up with various ways to keep from moving the plot where it needs to go. Um, and that, I think, is one of the problems that Days has had over the last little bit, is people have really felt like the show was treading water instead of actually moving forward. Right. 
I mean, the one thing I do like about the story, I like his relationship with Carly. I like that friendship. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that's the only thing I, you know, I'm just, I mean, I like the actor, but I'm just getting a little tired of it. Like, oh, Jake, he's Jason. That's all my thing. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I agree. On the other hand, as you know, I'm also I'm old school soap, and I know that the longer you hold, that the, the longer you play out a secret, and the more slowly you reveal it to one person at a time on the canvas, you know, that's that's good old fashioned soap. But today's audience really doesn't have the patience for that. Today's audience does not have the patience for a three year story. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> no. But yeah, and oh, and my last comment is I. Hope they drop that Denise something soon, and just let anyone know it's Ava. Well, again, as we were talking about earlier, I think that that's a tough thing because once you drop that, then Ava has to go back to jail. So I'll be interested to see how they resolve that and figure out, you know, how do you keep her on the canvas once you've revealed that she is Ava. Okay. Well, that's all I have because I haven't been really watching. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Take well I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later, Tosh. All right. 218. 218, you're on the air. Hi, Richard. It's Sharon. Hey, Sharon. How are you? I'm good. While I was waiting to talk to you, I went into Amazon and ordered your book because I didn't (laughs) know you'd even written one. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've written two so far, and I've got a third one I'm hoping to have out sometime in the next couple of months. Although, you know what you have to do before you can release it? You have to finish it. And that's where I'm struggling a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck. I'll look forward to the next one. Thanks. I think soap fans are really going to like the next one because it is going to be fun. It's going to be all soapy goodness. (laughs) Good. The one thing I was curious about, I watched today's show, uh, General Hospital, and I was a little surprised at the reception that Laura got. I mean, I've always seen Laura as everybody's darling. And today it was like nobody wanted anything to do with her. Nobody wanted her there. Everybody was apologizing for her being there, including Lulu, which I thought was just a little off kilter from what I'm used to. Well, it's funny because I I saw a lot of reaction like that on Twitter. And and in a way it made sense to me Um, because, you know, Laura Laura has changed over the years, and, and people still look at Luke and Laura and see this, you know, the, the they forget, they either focus on the rape and, and wonder how she got past that, or they sort of forget those the la- that the last five or six years, things have not been good between Luke and Laura. So, you know, so for them, especially the people who've gotten used to his relationship with Tracy and who really like him with Tracy, you know, she is the spoiler. Now, there are a lot of people who still say, you know, no, Luke and Laura is endgame. They're, they're you know, who I've always loved. Um, but, but the show has really moved past that and made Tracy and Luke the couple, and that makes Laura sort of a spoiler. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's sort of it – was, it was I, I agree. There was a weird, weird vibe to it. Um, but I kind of like that it wasn't like Laura walked in and everybody was like, Laura, I love you, <laughs> you know? Exactly. It was I more like when that. I walk into a party. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Laura was there, when Luke and Laura actually decided, been there, done that, we're done, I was one of the cheerleaders that said, oh, goodness, <laughs> it's time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have come to adore Luke and Tracy. 
So I was kind of feeling that way myself, but it was odd that other people were voicing it. I'll be honest. You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. To me, the they really, I would love to see them do a love triangle with Luke, Laura, and Tracy because they both represent different parts of him, you know? Um, hold on one second there, Sharon. Um, for those of you listening live, I'm about to lose the feed. Uh, it, uh, you can listen to the rest of the show if you like in the archive, or you can call in and listen on the phone at 347-989-0685. I've got a couple more callers here I'm going to try and take, and uh, we'll wrap it up as quickly as possible. But if you don't want to miss any of the juicy goodness, give it a call. Uh, if you're leaving us or if you're about to lose the feed, I want to thank you for coming and hanging out with me tonight, and I should be back next week, uh, barring you know, um, I don't know, getting a better offer from some, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I should be here next week. Uh, thank you for listening. And for the rest of you, I will be continuing with the callers that are on the line. We have two more calls on the line after Sharon. Okay, Sharon, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, it that was what I want, the comment I wanted to make. I just thought it was kind of odd or just off, but I was really glad to see it in a way. Um, the other comment I wanted to make was your your other caller was talking about difficulty in liking someone that had been recast in a role. And sometimes I've had the same issue, but I try to look at it as that's an opportunity if the writers want to take the character in a different direction, that's their opportunity and the time to do it. Very much so. and I thought it was in particular when when um, Julie decided to leave as Lulu. And I loved mm-hmm. Lulu. I loved Julie's Lulu. And especially when they finally paired her up with Dante. And I always enjoyed it. But when Julie chose to leave and they brought M. Rylan in, they are a different personality. And I always looked at Lulu or what I saw of Lulu was very suspicious, very hesitant, uh, almost harsh in a way and judgmental. And once they brought M. Rylan in as the character, it almost seemed like because they were going into the, the parenthood and that type of thing, that was the time to kind of mold the character into the mother rather than the adventurer. And I thought that fit the bill very well. So I've been able to really look at the two different people and see how it blended, but then they changed the character as well as the actress. Yeah, it was almost like an evolution. It was, and I really appreciated that they did that. Because sometimes you look at, at one actor and they're very good in a certain situation or what they're doing as the character at that point. But as the character evolves and the character changes, sometimes it's not quite that easy for the, the same actor to make that mm-hmm. change. So I thought the way they did it with the character of Lulu, it, it melded perfectly. I agree. I always try and 
I agree. I always try and remind people, you know, whenever a new person steps in, now not all recasts are successful, but it's, but I always try and remind people that many, many of daytime's most popular characters are recasts. You know, like you look at the young and the restless, people love Jack Abbott. He's not the original Jack Abbott, you know, uh, they love, you know, there are, and there are numerous examples like that where wildly popular characters on various shows are not played by the actor who people originally fell in love with in the part, you know? I mean, I think sometimes you get a, a recast that's just perfect. I think Billy Miller is a perfect recast on GH. I think Justin Hartley has been just a revelation of a recast on 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 The Young and the Restless as Adam. So, yeah, Agreed. recasts, yeah. recasts um, can be a mixed bag, but they can be... You know, if it's if it's a good match between the writer, the story, and the actor, they can they can really help propel the story forward. Oh, absolutely! And I I like the direction that the show is going in right now. Other than yeah, some things lag, and because they're off canvas for so long, it gets almost to a point where you think, do I even care anymore? Which yeah. is really sad and that is the, because I do that care. is the danger with letting things fall off the canvas. It is it is a, it is a danger, and it happens on it happens on all shows. They have, you know when when the, most shows go through periods or have a story that ends up being a pacing victim, and you know you sort of lose interest in it because it falls off the canvas for so long, and then when it comes back, you sort of have to you know they start pushing that story again. You sort of have to reevaluate and say, hmm, all right, mm-hmm. I guess we're going to invest in this again. <laughs> One more quick question. You, okay. I, I, I gather from your conversation that you have known Ron Carlovati for a long time. No, no, really not. Um, no, okay. What happened, what, I mean, I've known his work for quite, you know, for quite a while, but um, what happened was at a certain point uh, I took on the task of um, writing our ABC cover stories. I don't, I don't usually, I don't write our CBS cover stories, but I do write the General Hospital cover stories. And so, since I was writing those, we have we have a General Hospital reporter, um, Rosemary Rossi, who um, does all the like interviews with the actors and stuff. But because I was doing the cover stories, um, because they t- they t- there's such quick turnaround, they often come together at the very last minute. It was just easier to have somebody in the uh, in the main office do it. At that time, I said, you know what, I'm just going to take over talking to Ron. And I really um, I clicked with him really quickly, and I really because I there is. I don't generally like doing interviews. I'm not really interested in in them. Um, I don't I don't like interviewing you know actors or celebrities or anything like that. But I love talking to writers and you know getting in their head and and even talking about stuff that like you know how they thought it was going to go one way and it turned out that the story didn't work the way they thought it was going to things like that. I love stuff like that. So I basically ended up um, talk, I now talk to Ron probably every. Um, two weeks or so. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I was talking to Ron this morning. I knew I was going to be talking to him at 10 o'clock this morning for the cover story that I'm working on. And last night I get a, a, a text message and it's from Ron. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, he must want to change the time or something. And I pick up my phone and I look at it and it's a page from the magazine from about three months ago. And uh, uh, it's it's from the, the the five things we love section, and it's on the five things we love section. We love we list five things we like, and then one we we could do without. And right, the thing I know I love without, that section. 
I, I, I write that section, and the thing that um, the thing that we had as the thing we could do without in that particular issue, it said something like pointless confrontations. Do we really think, or no, pointless threats? Do we really think that Julian or Duke are going to die? And of course, Duke <laughs> has died since then. And he sent me the text and said, "See, I've had this. I took a picture of it. I've been saving it on my phone all this time." And I said to him, "I was like, you know, you should just tell the fans that the only reason you killed Duke was to make me look like an idiot because I said that." I was like, "You can make that tasty." So, like, I like, I really, I, I, I really love getting in his head. I love, you know, I, 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 he does not love everything I say, you know, because I. I am a big believer that, that, and I say this all the time, praise without criticism is as useless as criticism without praise. And so I am not one exactly. of those people who just sits back and says, I love everything. But I'm also not the kind of person who sits there and, and is mean about things that I don't like. I, I will point out things I don't like, and I will be critical of things I don't like. But, you know, it's, in a, it's, it's always done with love. I love the show. I love the actors. I love Ron. So... You know, I, I'm a I, I'm also a big believer of you can say anything you want as long as you say it with love. You know, uh, and I and I, I think he gets that. I think he knows that that's that's like yeah. you know that's. I think he gets me, and I like to think I get him. Well, I was curious because I gave up watching One Life to Live probably in the '80s, and mm-hmm. I didn't know if Ron was. If his methodology or his mode of writing is to write such huge casts and a variety of storylines like they have on GH now, or if it was different on One Life to Live, because I didn't watch it. One Life to Live was sort of the same. It was um, it was a big sprawling canvas. It had a lot going on. Um, so so, and those are the only two shows that he's been head writer of at this point. So I think that you know that that's sort of uh, how he works at this point is. Um, I would love to see what he does with a small cast. You know, I'd love to see it like. You know, um, uh, I'd love to see them start a whole new show, and it only has like twelve characters on it. And see, you know, I I I kind of have always liked the intimacy of the bold and the beautiful. I like that there's only twelve characters, and um, you know, some people that drives crazy. Some people can't stand it because the characters all date each other and all know each other and all related to each other, and it's very incestuous. But I I like the intimacy of that kind of company, and I'd really love to see, you know, what 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 Ron does with a small canvas. Um, so, you know, who oh, knows? Maybe someday we'll see that. Yeah. I, I miss the intimate conversations and the longer scenes that we used to have. And I've heard so many people say the same thing, that it's just oh, there's yeah, so much I going agree. on it's that you short... don't get a conversation anymore. Well, it's... Which it's, I miss. You know, soaps, as the ratings fell over the years, I think soaps became sort of afraid of the audience's short attention span. And that's why, you know, like I was saying to Tasha earlier, the audience does not have the attention span for storylines like the ones we used to sit through. I mean, like, you know, when I was growing up, it was it was not co- uncommon for a secret to be kept for five years or more. But today's soap audiences don't have the patience for that. Or at least the people in charge of today's soap operas don't think they do. They also don't think that, that we, they, they, they live in fear that we're going to click the, 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 the remote and switch over to something else. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, they, they, they keep the scenes very short 
I actually miss the older, longer scenes because I think it's a lot easier to get into the emotional flow of a scene. If if, if you're in a scene and every every you know ninety seconds it's interrupted to cut to something else, it's kind of hard to get into the emotional depth of a scene. I was talking last week about how um, Tyra Perry's two shows. Um, uh, if Loving You is Wrong and Haves and Have Nots, they're both soap operas, they're both hour-long soap operas on the Oprah Winfrey Network, they do long scenes. They, I mean, like, they will have, like, five-minute, six-minute, seven-minute scenes, and it's glorious because you really, you don't get taken out of it. You get to see the entire, you know, emotional arc of a scene in one thing as opposed to having it cut up into ten scenes. But that's just, you know, that's modern... That's modern television and modern soaps, I guess, is is sort of dictating to short attention span theater. So the old dog has to learn new tricks, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. they think they do. I don't know if they really do, but they think they do. Okay, well, thanks for the chat. Yeah, I'll let you get on I'll, to your next call. You. I'll, talk, I'll talk to you soon, Sharon. You bet. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, we've got one caller left on the line here. Uh, three, two, five. Three, two, five. You're on the air. Oh, gee, it must be me, Richard. It's it Patty. Is you. Hey, Patty. It is. <laughs> Not too bad. How about you? I'm very, very good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. I, I, you know, it's Monday night. I'm talking to all my favorites. So, what could possibly be bad? Well, this is true. I think uh, I've got so many things going on in my mind right now, and I know we're out of time, and we're probably the only ones around. Yeah. <laughs> But that's no, right. there's actually there's actually a surprising number of people who are listening in over the phone right now. Uh, and Wonderful. The majority, the majority of um, listeners aren't actually when I'm doing it live. It's usually over the next several days when people download it in the archives. That's where all you know the vast majority of listeners come from. Oh right. One thing before I forget, your talk with um, Jeffrey. T- Last week, Tobias yes. was absolutely fantabulous. Wow, thank you. I really enjoyed I thought it. that I was so great. I I got on Twitter immediately afterwards. I told him that. I think I cc'd you the yes, same you tweet. Um, it, it was it it was great. And one thing that he mentioned was when he uh, when he was talking about Eric Braden. Mm-hmm. And how Eric, um, when he's you know not in a scene and stuff, he still plays Victor. Yes. And I thought that was so fascinating. And when I was on the set of One Life to Live, thirty oh, some years ago, um, Phil Carey, Aza Buchanan. Mm-hmm. I thought. He was just, I, you know, because I met him, and I thought he was the biggest asshole. <laughs> but after what Jeffrey said last week about Eric staying in character, that's what Phil Carey was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And, you know, it was just like a light bulb went off 30-some years later. Because it was that's the early eighties when I was on the set. That's quite the delayed gratification. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was because I have I have 
bad mouth Phil Carey, you know, the poor guy, <laughs> for years. <laughs> well, and so, you know, get, it, that just cracked get, me up. Yeah. You know? Hopefully they get Blog Talk Radio in heaven and he can hear this right now and he's like, oh, I hope so. I'm not the person you thought I was. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Excuse me. That's uh, all right. One question I wanted to ask you okay. is um, Dina Higley and Josh, and I can't think of his last name, the new writers for Days, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they were hired in February, I believe. I believe do that's you, true. Yeah. Do you know when their stuff is going to start airing? I'm assuming late, it'll be late, late October, early November. No, that's too long. No, I was well, thinking late hired. July, early no. October, or early August, nope. because they're nope. five nope. or six until, months ahead. Yeah, but they were they didn't start writing immediately. Um, it it won't be until oh. October. It won't be until late October, early November, from what I hear. Well, I know the stuff that they're writing for the fiftieth is you know that you you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. that all the actors are all excited about and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I thought some of their stuff would be coming up soon. No, like we in the got next a ways month to go. or so. No, oh, no, crap. no, no. We got a ways to go. <laughs> that that that's disappointing to me. Well, oh, you know, well. I yeah. back because because I do think that some of the stuff on the canvas right now I'm really liking. Like I'm loving the Teresa Brady stuff. I think that that's really fun. You know, I oh, I think yeah. that the way they I think the way they got there was a little predictable and it took a little while, you know, like like we all knew why why Kristen was coming back. We knew she would have the baby and you know, just it just didn't feel like it was sweeps worthy. But now that they actually have the baby and they're, you know, and and she wants him and she's manipulating. I love when Teresa manipulates. So I really like that. Um, I, I, we are finally coming to the end of the Serena story in the next week or two. Um, not yes. that Serena is leaving the show, but this, this sort of, you know, ridiculous elephant, whatever, uh, that's coming to an end. And, and I like Well, no, the, she's leaving I the like, show. I saw that several, you well, know, a few months it, ago. It'll be, it'll be a while. I don't know when. Um, I know, um, Xander, I like what, the, the end of August. And I like the, I like the, I like the, um, you know, Kate getting back in the business world, and they're going to have, you know, and you've got Justin and Lucas and Adrian. There's a lot of stuff that I yes, like. Yes, I love, so, I love that. Isn't that a great, like, whoever thought to, of that is a genius, you know, because it's, exactly. it's, it's veterans, it's people we like, it's, it's, it makes sense given their history, given their children's history. It really is just a fantastic little story. Oh, definitely. I got a kick when we were you were talking earlier about um, recasts and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about Josh Taylor. Remember, yep. he started off as Chris Kosicek. Yep, yep. And, you know, several years later, there he is as Roman Brady, you know? Yep. <laughs> and you, has you been just, for quite a while. Anything can happen on soaps. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, as far as Young and the Restless goes, um Wow, Jessica today. <gasps> Wasn't she Both her and phenomenal? Scott, but Jessica especially. Jessica Wow, did she rock those things. Roof. She was amazing. I mean, 
you know, I just, at one point, I, I just sat there and thought, I can't wait to go home and watch these scenes again because it was some of the strongest material she's had since she came on this show. Don't you hate when oh, that yeah. happens? Like, they, they write this great material just as an actor is about to leave. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, you know I, I just, I was, I was blown away. I was floored, yeah. I was absolutely floored. I just thought it was, and it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just her performance. It was the dialogue. It was Scott Elrod. It was just oh, yeah. those scenes. Just they built slowly, and then you know when I knew it was it was getting good and getting good and getting good, and then all of a sudden when she went over and poured the wine and started chugging it, I was like, oh yeah, this is fun stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'll go get my beer. You know, <laughs> yep. You know, with that it's wine and stuff. Somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. That's right. <laughs> and I couldn't. I I I just you know, I didn't like when you know, all of a sudden that voice thing where it's, she they didn't need supposedly it. they didn't need it. No. And I'm like, the scenes were okay. So I know new it. writers will come in and rewrite history, but when they start rewriting their own history, yeah. That you know, yeah, that I just agree. doesn't make sense. <laughs> I agree. There was there was no need for it. Those scenes were so strong, and they stood on their own. And you know, there was just absolutely no no need to rewrite the history between the characters. Uh, right. Given that it's not like we're rewriting a history from something that aired ten years ago. You know, the characters are both relatively new. There's there's just right. it's it's sort of it's sort of silly to go and rewrite history that, that that's that recent. People haven't had time to forget it. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, there's people like you know, me, who's 63, that, you know, yeah, we do have a good long memory, but, you know. <laughs> and then there's people like me, who's 51, and I don't remember what I had for breakfast, and even I remember their history. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and your birthday's only two days away from mine, so, you know. I know, I know, I know. We're coming up on the, well, like, seven-month mark, eight-month mark. we got a ways to go. We should yes. enjoy this. We should enjoy this while it lasts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think you're what, March 11th? Uh, 7th, 7th. 7th, okay, yeah, you're, t- see, I'm March 9th. I knew you were two days one way or two yep. days the other, so. Yep. I chose the wrong way. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. That made me two days younger than I am. <laughs> well, there you go. And um, other than that, I think I'm about talked out for right now. All right. Amazingly well, you're enough. Well, my final caller, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. do my outro, and we'll uh, we'll talk again next week. All right. Sounds good, dear. Talk you have you a wonderful Patty. week. All right. Bye bye. Uh, I want to thank everybody who called in or listened in or sat on the phone lines or is listening in the archive. To quote an actress from the Emmys last night, I want to thank every teacher I've ever had and every person I've ever met and every person I've yet to meet. Um, As always, I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. You can find the magazine at soapsindepth.com. And on Twitter, most of you probably know how to find me because you probably came here that way, but you can find me at at Soaps in Depth CBS, at Soaps in Depth ABC, or you can find my personal uh, Twitter feed at How Rude Are You. Uh, thanks again. 
for uh, spending a little time with me. You know, if it wasn't for you guys, I would just be sitting here talking to myself, and I do that enough already, as many people can attest. Although, actually, I guess they couldn't attest, because if they can attest that I'm talking to myself, that I'm not talking to myself because they're in the room and they can hear me. Ponder that logic for the rest of your evening. I'm going to go watch The Bachelorette and Unreal and a bunch of other shows they are all on tonight. I hope you guys have a great night, and uh, I will talk to you next week. Until then... Remember, what do you have to do? Because it's soaps. Tune in tomorrow.